Good morning. Happy Thursday. I'm Greg. Welcome to the Daily Bible Wrap-Up. Started the recording before I actually got my Kindle fired up. So fortunately, since the bumper music is a little bit longer than the old bumper music was, I had just enough time to get to where I need to be on the Kindle. Today's readings are from Psalm 121 and Hebrews 9, 16 through 28, and Ezekiel 17 through 18. So I'm just going to jump into Psalm 121 and read the verse 7. Quote, the Lord keeps you from harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go now and forever. Now, this is a simple statement. In fact, the whole short psalm is about how the Lord watches and protects us. But there's a caveat, a condition. Verse 2, quote, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We must know and accept the Lord for his protection. For those who don't, those who turn away from the Lord, eventually the Lord will remove his protection. I mean, think about it. I don't see this as punitive. Have you ever invited someone just to hang out or to visit with you? You invite them into your life. You want to do things with them. You want to grow the relationship only to be faced with rejection after rejection after rejection. Well, at some point in time, you're just going to stop asking. You just, too much rejection. It's just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I've given you enough chances. For whatever reason, you just don't want to hang out with me. You don't want to visit me. I respect your opinion. And I respect it so much, I'm not going to invite you again. I think that that's the way it is uh, with God. And God is not some power that we call up at our convenience and need, which it seems like that some people are like, well, the only time I'm ever going to invite God into my life is when I need something. But those people are forgetting a fundamental fact about God as mentioned here. He is the creator of everything and he wants a relationship with us. That's not a difficult concept to grasp, in my opinion. Instead of being something that, hey, you just come to me whenever you want something, it's like you're there for you. So the, the friends theme, I'll be there for you. Yeah, it's, of course, that's um, in my mind a little bit because of um, Matthew Perry recently passing at a young age. So we should try to focus on forming that relationship with God because eventually he will stop asking. Hebrews 9, we pick up the story of verse 16. It's a short section, but the point seems to be that unlike previous sacrifices that need refreshing annually or even more often, his, Jesus' sacrifice is once and final. Quote verse 16, now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove the person who made it is dead. That makes sense. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. The new covenant went into effect with Christ's death. Quote verse 25, And he did not enter into heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to have died again and again and again ever since the world began. That's not the case. And then finally, the wrap-up quote, verse 28. Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, because he's already done that, those are my words, 
but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting for him. Count me as part of that group. Old Testament, we're in Ezekiel. It's a new message, Ezekiel 17, about two eagles. And this is a little bit confusing to interpret. Bear with me. I don't think I got a lot of it, but that's one of the things where if I take a pause on the um, daily Bible wrap-up, and I am considering pausing um, and not doing it in 2023 because I do want to, I think I'm being led to perhaps take a break and investigate like some specific books. I've talked about it over the year that I've come across some that I really want to dig into. I want to dig into John. I want to dig into Isaiah. I mentioned, I think Ezekiel is another one as well too. I want to dig into the idea of the context of the Bible that to, to help, to help push aside my Western lens and understand more about what the context was back then. I haven't made a decision on that as of yet, but I am thinking about it. I'd ask for your prayers on that as well um, for discernment. What's the best way to go with regards to this? I'll have more on that later as to some of my thoughts, why I'm thinking that. Um, but I also have thoughts on another project that I may do in the same space. We'll talk about that down the road. Anyway, Ezekiel 17, new message about two eagles. One plucked off the highest branch of a cedar tree in Lebanon, as well as a seedling. The fact that the eagle planted in a city of traders, not sure how that's wor- how that works, planted the, um, the branch. So two things. The eagle, th- this eagle picks up a branch from a high cedar, cedar tree and also a cedar uh, uh, seedling which I understand you can transplant a seedling. That's, that's okay. That's, that's what you, you, that's done all the time. You plant a tree in your yard, for example, it's like, well, you're not growing it from seed. It was grown in a nursery somewhere else and you brought it home and you dug a hole and you put it in. And 30 years later, you have a 50 foot oak tree or something like that. But a branch, I, I don't know if you can take a branch and put it into a ground and it produced roots. I've never heard of that happening. I don't know specifically for cedar trees. Maybe there's something specific to them that I'm missing. Here's some of the context, for example. This also might be an example of me overanalyzing things, but it doesn't make sense as written right here to me. Now, the seedling, the eagle, because this eagle obviously is a gardener as well, planted he planted the seedling by a river where it took root as well as producing vine shoots. Again, a question, does a, does a, does a cedar multiply by vines and shoots? I, I don't think so. So maybe not vines. Okay. But shoots, what I'm thinking about is, um, oh gosh, what is that? That tree out West. I think they're aspens. Yeah. Aspen groves where the trees that you see in a lot of areas are actually all part of one life form. They, they are all interconnected underneath the ground. Fascinating stuff. I'd, I'd recommend they look like birch trees for those of us out East, but um, it's just very fascinating that this is how they grow and multiply. I digress. I do that a lot. You know that. Um, But I don't think a cedar does that. I could be wrong. Um, Certainly when you see cedars, they tend to clump together. I always thought that was because seeds just kind of 
dropped off in a local area, but I don't know. Now, a second eagle looked much more majestic, and the vine and the shoots turned towards this new eagle, even though the vine and the shoots, they were already planted in good soil. So you're probably starting to get an idea where this analogy is going, or where I think it's going, at least. It seems obvious, at least, that the seedling is what God did, but when the seed, as far as planting, the seedling in good soil took the transplanted it from transplanted the people from Egypt, brought them into the plant promised land, good soil, good water. But now the seedling there is instead of like reaching up to God, is reaching, which is the first eagle, is reaching up to this other majestically looking beautiful eagle, but that which is not God. They found something better to turn away from the first, the which in, in the analogy is God, to the second, which is the false idols. The vine will be transplanted by the second eagle, but it won't take root and it will die. So the 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 vine from the seedling, the eagle, second one, the false idol one, picks it up, brings it somewhere else, tries to transplant it, but it dies. Now, Ezekiel explains the little riddle. I was a bit off, but had the fundamentals right. It deals with disregarding a treaty with Babylon. So there's a little bit more information in the reading there. Quote from verse 14, I think it's 14, only by keeping a treaty with Babylon could Israel survive. Now, I have to admit, after reading this a couple of times, I'm lost on a lot of the symbolism here. This is one of those areas where, again, as I said a couple of moments ago, I would love to dig into Ezekiel like over the period of like a few months and just try to understand what some of the symbolism is. At least people smarter than me think, think that what it is, because there are a lot of people smarter than me. Trust me. An awful lot of people. Um, but Ezekiel ends the book with even more symbolism. The Lord will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar, the first eagle, and plant it to the, at the top of Israel's highest mountain where it will thrive. And quote verse 24, all the trees will know that it is I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It's passages like this that are confusing to understand that prompts me to think that there may be some context from this period that I don't know or understand. Ezekiel 18, another message. It's what Ezekiel pretty much is, is a collection of messages. The people are no longer to quote the proverb, the parents had eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. Now, I don't believe that this is a proverb taken from the book of Proverbs, for example. There's no reference in the version um, rendering of this in on the app. A lot of times when when a previous biblical passage is referenced, particularly from New Testament to Old Testament, there'll be a, a note there saying this is where you come to. And and if you thought beforehand that I I whenever I came across one of those that I mentioned it to you, that that was me mentioning it, that I was able to pull out of my, out of my head. Sorry. Nope. I was relying upon the notes there in the U, U version app. Confession is good for the soul. But the outcome here is clear. Verse four, four, it is the person who sins, which is the one who will die. The rest of the chapter is further explanation that children do not die for their parents' sins. Verse 30, quote, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. And then there, 
ends with a final note, almost a plea for wicked people to repent. Quote verse 20, uh, 32, I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Excellent advice. I'll leave you with that for today. There's a lot of that in the Bible, of course. My prayer for you is that you walk by the Spirit today. Pick it up again tomorrow. Take care. Thank you.